Welcome to my podcast, Everyday Sublime, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. In each episode, I will offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes. And my hope is that these reflections will support both your practice and or your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. In this episode, I'll continue with my introductory series on Chinese medical theory and take a closer look at a comprehensive introduction to yin and yang theory, which is really foundational theory for all Chinese medical practice. So let's get started. Okay, to begin, what are yin and yang? Yin and yang are ancient Chinese terms used to describe dynamics of the universe, notably the universal, ceaseless process of change. In modern usage, we might not think of the terms yin and yang referring to change. Normally, we think of yin and yang as adjectives and labels that categorize certain things as either being more yin in nature or yang in nature. And while this is partly true, it's also somewhat misleading. The Chinese character for yin literally translates as the shady side of a hill, whereas the Chinese character for yang literally translates as the sunny side of a hill. But these two sides of the hill are never separate. And so it is with yin and yang. They are mutually defining and always coexisting. They are opposite sides of the same coin, as it were. Different, but dependent on one another. Historically, however, the terms date back to about 2 to 500 BC and are found in the ancient text, the I Ching, or the Book of Changes. As its name states, the Book of Changes is a meditation on universal changes that are brought about by the tension between the two forces of yin and yang. Together, the composite of yin and yang dynamics is depicted by the familiar yin and yang symbol, also known as the Taiji symbol. This symbol of duality and unification, movement and balance, transformation and stability is a symbol to represent the totality of all existence. As Joseph Kim observes in his book, Yin and Yang of Life, quote, Yin and Yang are the way in which Tao and Tai Ji play out in nature. Thus the I Ching describes their relationship by stating, the alternation of Yin and Yang is called Tao. It also states that Tai Ji produces yin and yang. When Tai Ji moves, it becomes yang. When it is still, it becomes yin. All changes in nature occur due to the interaction between these two forces. For another perspective, I want to share with you a passage from a Chinese medical book we used when I was in school called The Foundations of Chinese Medicine by the author Giovanni Mashiosha. Quote, the earliest origin of yin and yang phenomena must have derived from the peasant's observation of the cyclical alternation of day and night. Thus, day corresponds to yang and night to yin, and by extension, activity to yang and rest to yin. 
This led to the first observation of the continuous alternation of every phenomenon between two cyclical poles, one corresponding to light, sun, brightness, and activity, or yang, the other corresponding to darkness, moon, shade, and rest, or yin. From this point of view, yin and yang are two stages of a cyclical movement, one constantly changing into the other, such as day giving way to night and vice versa. So again, here we're talking about a way of describing changes in the, in the visible perceived universe. Now another aspect that was central to Taoism was the tendency of Taoists to observe patterns in nature. Through their refined observations, they concluded that the dynamics they observed in nature also existed within the human body. There was, in other words, a direct parallel as well as an interrelationship between the macrocosm of the universe and the microcosm signified by man. And this became one of the foundational principles of Chinese medicine. For the Taoists, their interest in observing nature lay in their intention to be in harmony with that nature, not to necessarily overcome or control it. And the same goes for Chinese medicine. The intention behind a skillful Chinese medical practitioner is to promote harmony amongst the various dynamics in the human organism, and to bring that organism into harmony within its environment. And so, in observing yin and yang dynamics, both in the world at large or in the macrocosm and within the body, i.e. the microcosm, the overarching intention was always one of promoting harmony. When honored, observed, and respected, yin and yang describe processes of change that can be fluid, harmonious, and balanced. Of course, if neglected or disregarded, the ceaseless process of change between yin and yang can break down and no longer be a smooth, harmonizing process of balance, but rather turn into a more disruptive, chaotic, stressful, and jarring dynamic of imbalance. But bear in mind, the raison d'etre for pursuing knowledge of things yin and yang is to aid and support the former and avoid and minimize the latter. So as we will see when we look more closely at the relationship between yin and yang, they always are changing or transforming into the other. For example, day becomes night and night becomes day. Summer becomes fall, which then becomes winter, which then becomes spring, etc. The singular constant of the universe is this unwavering, ceaseless process of change itself. When we look at yin and yang more closely, it's very important to bear in mind two essential aspects of their relationship. The first is that yin and yang are terms that are used to describe relationships in nature. In other words, yin and yang are not fixed or absolute qualities. They are fluid, dynamic terms, and their designation can change depending on the context they are being used in. For example, uh, yin yoga is a slower form of yoga compared to, say, ashtanga yoga, which would be considered more yang in nature. But if we were to compare yin yoga to an even slower form of yoga, such as yoga nidra, yin yoga would be then relatively more yang in nature compared to the yoga nidra, which would be more yin. The second aspect of the relationship that we always have to bear in mind is that whenever yin and yang are used to describe a particular relationship, they are doing so with reference to a specific characteristic or trait being evaluated in that relationship. So if we think back to the sunny and shady side of a hill, the two sides of the hill are being compared with reference to the quality of light. Lighter and brighter, sunnier things tend to be more yang in nature, 
whereas darker, more hidden, shadier things tend to be more yin. Or if we consider the example given above comparing yin yoga to other forms of yoga, like ashtanga and yoga nidra, the trait here that is being evaluated is the quality of movement or relative stillness in each of these practices. That said, in general, over the centuries, there has come to be a kind of consensual agreement whereby yin refers to phenomena that tend to be static, dark, cold, thick, turbid, dense, invisible, rigid, passive, yielding, still, and nourishing. And on the flip side, the consensual agreement around phenomena that are yang in nature, this tends to refer to qualities of mobility, light, heat, thin, clear, sparse, visible, flexible, active, moving, and protecting. But yin and yang designations in one dynamic, where you're evaluating one particular trait, the designations can change when the trait that is being evaluated changes too. So if we look again at the example of yoga styles, generally speaking, yin yoga is designated as yin in comparison to other styles of yoga that are more dynamic or yang in nature. But in this relationship, the trait or characteristic that is being evaluated is movement. Things that move have, or have greater mobility are more yang. Things that are still and more rigid, they tend to be more yin in nature. So yin yoga is, quote, yin, and active dynamic yoga is, quote, yang. But if we were to change the style of yoga in the relationship being evaluated and compared yin yoga to yoga nidra, and the characteristic being evaluated remain the same, namely the ability to move, then suddenly yin yoga becomes yang yoga, and yoga nidra is relatively more yin than yin yoga. The basic idea is that these terms are never fixed or absolute, so it's important not to be too rigid in their application. Okay, now that you understand that yin and yang refer to complementary oppositional forces, energies, and dynamics in nature, it's time to look more closely at several specific aspects of their relationship, namely their mutual opposition, their mutual dependence, their mutual consumption, and their mutual transformation. Here, a more comprehensive understanding of yin and yang theory will better help the yogi to integrate yin and yang yoga practices into their life with sensitivity to the greater dynamics of that yogi's life, their stage in life, their constitutional temperament, as well as to environmental considerations. Okay, so I'll stop there for now, and in the next episode of the Everyday Sublime podcast, I'll continue this series on Chinese medical theory and take a closer look at the different aspects of the relationship between yin and yang dynamics and consider the implications of those dynamics for our practice and health. I look forward to sharing that with you, with insights from my practice to yours. Now, if you'd like to follow along with the Everyday Sublime, please subscribe in iTunes. I left a link in the show notes for you, or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. And if you'd like to study or train in yin yoga with me, check out yinyogaschool.com. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.